there was a father who was putting his four-year-old to bed, and he was reading the scriptures to his son that evening, and he read to him the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. And as he read that parable to him, uh, the son was just so interested and so drawn in and just taking it all in as he listened to his dad read that. And then when he got through with the parable, he asked his son, hey, what can we take from this parable? What do you learn from this parable? And this son never batted an eye. He says, make sure you never leave home without a credit card. <laughs> Uh, I thought that was a funny thing, and tonight we happen to be looking at the prodigal son in this parable, and hopefully we'll get a little bit more out of it than that. But open your Bibles tonight to Luke 15, verse 11, and that's where we want to begin, and uh, Luke 15, verses 11 through 32, and uh, as we continue moving through the Gospels, uh, we look at this parable, and as we look at this parable, we look at these two sons. And as we look at these two sons, sometimes it's easy for us to look at the prodigal son and take from the prodigal son. But as we look at this, there are two sons, and I think it's important that we learn a lesson from the other son uh, as well. And so we want to look at this tonight, beginning in verse 11. It says this, and he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And then he had spent everything. And, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Now, as we look at the beginning of this, it kind of seems like a, a pretty strange situation here. And as we think about this, what's strange about this youngest son's request is he makes this request of his father. Inheritance. Okay, he's wanting his inheritance. Why is that a strange thing? Okay, dad's not died yet. All right, father is still living. Isn't that what an inheritance is? I mean, we have to wait until uh, the person older than us, or the person who has the possessions, passes away and leaves them to us. That's what an inheritance is. So this son decides he wants his inheritance early. And so he goes and he gets his inheritance early. His dad divides everything up and gives him his inheritance. Now, as you look at verse 13, it says, Not many days later, the young son gathered all he had and took a journey into the far country. Now, as we see him take this journey into the far country, what is the result of him taking his inheritance and going? Okay, He loses everything. It says he squandered it away. When you think about that word squandered, what is the visual aid that you have, or the visual that comes to mind? Reckless. Reckless. He blew it. Everything. Okay, high living. Living high on the hog. Later it starts feeding the hogs, but for a while he's high, living high on the hog. All right? Squanders everything. The entire, uh, everything that he had, he, he squanders uh, it away. Okay? Now look at verse 15 here. 
It says, verse 14 says, when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he squandered everything, and then to make matters worse, a famine comes in the land. Now, when you think about a famine in the land, what impact does that have on everything? Okay, there's nothing available. So if, if there's a bountiful time here, then it's easy for him to go find work. But in a famine, that's not the case. There's a lot of people <laughs> even the farm looking for work, okay? They're, they don't have extra money. They're trying to pinch every penny that they have. And so that is the result of everything going on. So for the first time, we read here that he is in need. He had everything. He had everything. He was living high on the hog. And now for the first time, we see that he is in need. All right? Everything is gone. Uh, the whole economy is bad, and for the first time we see uh, that he was in need. So that's where he found himself, uh, was in need. Uh, verse 15 says, he, so he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Now, as you think about this, how would you describe the situation that he is in? Desperate, okay? Great word, desperate. Any other thoughts? Okay, a place that's foreign for him. Okay, all right, a foreign place. Okay, all right. So, so he is he is away from. I mean, this is out of his comfort zone, and he is around these pigs. And what would be okay? I'll ask that. I'll ask that next. But uh, think about this: uh, where he is. I mean, is there a, really an opportunity for him to go lower than he is right here? This he is as low as he gets, isn't it? Okay, he's been humbled. He's been humbled. Very proud when he went and got the inheritance from dad, as he's squandering it with his high on the hog living, very prideful in that lifestyle. But he has been very humbled, hasn't he? Alright? And he is at rock bottom here. And you know, when you're a rock bottom, where is the place that you can walk? Uh, up is all you can look, right? Right? Uh, and I think I think as we think about this, and I know it's probably not us, but we probably do know somebody who's hit rock bottom similar to this, don't we? Uh, I just was having a conversation with somebody just, just this last week, and they, and they were talking about this, and just about how they hit rock bottom. Uh, grew up in a Christian home, uh, kind, of, kind of went the way of the world, kind of lived on their own for a while. Um, married the wrong person, found himself in a bad situation, an abusive situation, and they said it was at that moment that I realized that I was a rock bottom. Uh, and this is where the prodigal son is, right? He's, he's a rock bottom. Uh, and unfortunately, sometimes it's, we have to get there, don't we? Sometimes God has to allow us to get there. And that's certainly where this prodigal son is, is, he, is he is hit rock bottom. Now, uh, several of you have mentioned this, but notice what it says there in verse 15. Uh, he sent in the fields to feed pigs. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. No one gave him anything. That's rock bottom, isn't it? Yeah. Um, my, my grandma used to have this, she had this bowl or this ice cream bucket, I guess it was, that was beside her sink. And that's where all the food scraps went, not the garbage disposable that was in there. 
and that I had to take that out and dump it in the trough. And I cannot tell you a single time where I went, ooh, that looks good. <laughs> never, 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 never. And I used to eat everything that wasn't tied down. Uh, but I but I never, I never said, ooh, that's where he's at. That's where he's at in that. Now, as, as Jesus tells this parable, as Jesus is sharing this parable, uh, to his audience, what would be so bad about this parable? Okay, pigs were an unclean animal. John had mentioned that too. Uh, and so he's sharing this with Sadducees and Pharisees and scribes, Jewish leaders who would never stoop that low. But here's this young man, and he's gone from the top of the peak, the highest point, to the bottom of the mountain. And he says, Man, even those pods that they're feeding the pigs, those look good. A little salt, a little pepper, I'll tear that up. That's, that's his mindset. That's where he's at. And then you notice here, it says, and no one gave him anything. So we think about rock bottom, and I mean, one in pig slop is even lower than the bottom, isn't it? Uh, I mean, I, I can honestly say my rock bottom is not pig slop bottom. Uh, and, and so that's where he is, though. I mean, this is as, this is as low as it gets here. Uh, all right, so this is, this is where he's at. Now, as we think about his position here, as we think about him here, any other thoughts that you have about this? All right. Well, let's look at verse 17. But, whew, thank goodness, right? Uh, he's eating big slop, but. So we know there's a transition that's going to take place here. It's not an and here, okay? Or not a then, or, or a continued on. But there's a but. So we're going to change directions here. He says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will rise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Now, as you think about this, what is the realization here that this son comes to? Okay, he made a mistake, Ms. Karen. Okay, how foolish he's been. All right, I heard something else here. Okay, there's true repentance here, isn't there? Okay, uh, he's not saying, you know what, Dad, that, uh, you know, I didn't like the way you ran things on the farm, and, and if you would, you know, if you will go ahead and bring me back and I don't know, 15,000 a week, and we'll, we'll talk, and I'll come back and, and be your servant. Uh, he doesn't come with those kinds of, of demands, does he? He comes back and he says, hey, uh, treat me as I'm not even your son. Uh, I, I, I don't even want to be recognized as a son. I'm not, I'm not coming with the demands of a son. I'm lower than a son. I, I just want to be a servant, and I know that you're doing me a favor by allowing me to be a servant. That's that's where he's at, isn't he? So not only is he a rock bottom, but there's repentance here, and he's going back to his father. Now, he could have been stubborn, couldn't he? I'm not going back, no matter what, I'm not going back. And maybe that was his mindset for a while there, but then when he's looking at those pods in the big slot bucket, he realizes, hey, there's, there's gotta be a change here. 
there's got to be a change here. And so this is true repentance. This is a picture of true repentance. And he, he repents, uh, and he goes back and says, you know what, Dad, life under you is not that bad. And so, so there he is. Okay? And there's a hunger for home here, right? There's a hunger for that for that situation that he was that he had left behind. Yeah. All right. Now look at this, look at his attitude here in verses 18 and 19. I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Uh, treat me as one of your hired servants. That truly is a picture of repentance, isn't it? I mean, that's truly a picture of repentance. He's, he's leaving everything behind, and, and he comes with a truly repentant heart. Uh, no demands, no expectations, uh, just true repentance is where we see. All right, now look at verse 20. He arose, and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Uh, but the father said to his servant, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now, as you look at this, uh, as you read verse 20 there, um, what do you see that proves the son is truly repentant? What do you see that makes you recognize that this was genuine repentance? Okay, he really humbled himself. Okay. He turned away from the other lifestyle and back. Okay, he turned and went back. He turned and went back. I don't know how this was for you in your life, but I can remember a few times in my life where I was like, okay, God, get me out of this jam, and I'll turn to you. And the next morning, it smelled like peanut butter, so hey, what do you need for peanut butter? More jam. And so I would keep going that direction. Even though I, might have, I felt like I needed to change my way, the next morning when everything was cleared up and I was out of the jam, then I'm right back into it. So it wasn't really genuine repentance on my part. I thought it may have been, but it, but you know, I'm just like, ah, maybe not today, tomorrow will be a better day. Tomorrow ends in Y, will be tomorrow. And so that's what I would do, is wait. For this man, he hits rock bottom, and he follows through with his repentance. Uh, not only is there a mind change, but there's an action change as well, isn't there? Uh, there's a change in direction here, and it's a genuine change in, in direction. And I mean, even as we see it, his dad embraces him, he still follows through with what he decided to do, doesn't he? He still says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And, and so he is there. Dad is the one who lavishes things on him. He doesn't ask for those things to be lavished on him. But he is a humble and, and repentant heart. Do you see that? you see how that is, Miss Kim? And he realizes that. Against God yeah. And his father. Right. So he's, he sees that. Right. There is a change of right. heart and a change of direction. There's an open confession here, an open mindset here. Yeah. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. 
change of action there, complete change of action. Uh, many people have looked at this and, and shared this parable as a, as a picture of, of repentance of a, of a lost sinner turning and, and coming to Christ or a wayward, a wayward believer turning and coming back to Christ. And the comment's been made a couple of times, and I read it when I think about it, I think about it when I read it, uh, but this is the only place we see in scripture where God runs. God runs to the prodigal son. Uh, he sees him on the horizon. And notice, notice that to see him on the horizon, there's got to be looking on the horizon, right? I mean, he's got to be looking and, and aware of the horizon, and he sees him coming, and he runs to him. And I, and I think that's an amazing picture because sometimes uh, in our waywardness, we may think, hey, God doesn't want anything to do with me. Uh, I've been disobedient too many times, and I've, and I've turned and gone the wrong direction too many times. But if we feel that conviction, if we feel that need to return to Christ, that's God working on our hearts, and, and we should turn and run to Him. Um, you know, we should turn to Him, and then He, like this Father, is waiting for us to return. He wants us to return. He's there with those open arms, waiting for us to return. Well, we've all been there at that point. When we were at the end of ourselves, we had nowhere else to look up. And yet, when you know, we've been born again, when we were told to change, right? We've all been there. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, and, and thankfully, you know, God has created us that way as well. And that's what we see there happening. So, this father responds to his son's genuine repentance and he runs to him, uh, not an accidental sighting. Uh, and then, notice what he says. Uh, he embraced him. Uh, it says he saw him and felt compassion. And, and I think, you know, as we think about our own children, I think we're all, all guilty of that, aren't we? Having that compassion for our children. It's just something about them. Uh, it, you know, it, it causes us to see them that way. So we see this picture here of this, of this father, and he sees his son with compassion, uh, and he goes to him. Uh, and notice what he says. Uh, verse 21, the, the son says, I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, uh, and the shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. Uh, so what happens here? Okay, transition. What's that? Celebration. Celebration. There's a celebration. Okay, genuine forgiveness. Genuine forgiveness. And does this kid deserve forgiveness? I mean, not. I mean, you know, like to bring his neck. Uh, but but there's genuine repentance here, and there's genuine forgiveness as a result of that. John, that's a picture of Christ on the cross. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, unconditional forgiveness being offered here, isn't there? Yeah. So, okay, unconditional love uh, being being presented there, and I mean that's certainly that's certainly the case, and we see that here with this. I'm sure the father was waiting for this day. Yeah, you know he took off, you know, and he was praying just like we would for our kids. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's been praying for this day. He's been praying for this opportunity. And he sees that and is experiencing that. All right, look at verse 25. It says, Now the older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard uh, music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and he asked what, what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fat calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry, and he refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came into uh, and who has devoured your property with, with prostitutes, you killed the fat calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive, and he was lost, and he is found. So as we look at this, how does the oldest son respond to all of this? Okay, there's anger here, isn't there? Okay, very angry about this. Not excited. There's jealousy here as well. Okay, uh, not excited about his return. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, we don't know what his what his faith is or what his mindset is, but uh, but his mindset, he's certainly not forgiving, is he? I mean, he's holding a little bit of a grudge at this workload that has been divided between two of them and now been on him all this time. Uh, and so he's not happy about this at all. This is especially close to my heart. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is close to our hearts for those of us who have had kids and come back. And I think this is the hope of our hearts if our kids are away and have not come back. I think this is, a, this is close to our hearts as well. And then if we've been the kid, <laughs> Who's gone away and who's come back? I think it's I think it's close to our hearts as well. Uh, and and I think as we look at this prodigal son, we see this. Uh, but you know, as we as we look at this brother, uh, why was he not in a celebrating mood? Well, he detests he detests that he should deserve it because of his works. Okay, you kind of see a worse type thing where he thinks he deserved one of the brothers. So even when the brother was shown grace, okay, you know. So he doesn't understand the grace that was shown to his brother. Uh, he has certainly earned this party. He's earned this celebration. He's worked towards this, and he's not disappointed dad in any way. So the exercise of grace for him is, is something that's not understood. Uh, and so he's struggling with that part of brother getting grace and, and him not. All right, what else do we see there to think about that? He's afraid to be Okay. All right. Okay. So I'm. There's 50 percent. That's all we have left, and this is my 50 percent, and uh, I, I'm not giving up a 25 of my 50. So he's wanting to hold on to his inheritance, even though he hasn't got his inheritance yet. He's he's figuring it's his 50. Okay. Uh, Mark, is that? Okay. Bitterness is there. Okay. Certainly. Thankfully, we don't deal with bitterness, right? Yeah. Grateful for that, Linda. Okay. And, and it's only been um, the last few years that that is not 
Okay. Now, you think about this in this society uh, where Jesus is teaching this, okay? Uh, the group of Pharisees, uh, who would you compare the group of Pharisees with? Would you compare them with the prodigal song or with the stay at home song? Okay, the stay at home song, right? Because the stay at home song does everything right, right? But what about everybody else? Which one would you compare them to? They're kind of the prodigal song, aren't they? Because they've left Judaism behind, they're not following Judaism, uh, but they come to that point of repentance that they need forgiveness. And they turn to the one who can forgive them. And who does the prodigal son really owe everything to? He owes it to his father, doesn't he? Because it's against his father in this parable, it's against his father that he sinned. And so he comes back to his father, repenting, seeking forgiveness from his father. So as we think about the, the two groups of people here that are in Jesus' time, there's those who are practicing legalism or where they should be, uh, but there's this other group that really needs grace, who, who repent and turn back to the one that they've sinned against. Now, is the stay-at-home son, does he have sin in his life? I'm sure he does. He does, doesn't he? I mean, he's hard-hearted, there's no forgiveness here, uh, you know, he's... He's prideful because look what I have done. I have been here all of this time. You owe me because I have friends. We should have had parties at least a couple of Fridays during the month. Uh, and so he is, you know, holding uh, hard feelings towards dad for not having that, that party with his friends. And so there's, you know, there's a hard heart here in the other son as well. Uh, and so uh, his son is there. Now, uh, let's turn to 2 Corinthians 2. Unfortunately, when we were doing, when I put this together, we were doing a study in 2 Corinthians, and it reminded me of something. So look at 2 Corinthians 2, verse 6. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 6. Uh, Look at, look at verse 5 there first, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 5. It says, If anyone has caused pain, he's caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. For this is why I wrote that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. So as we think about this, Paul is writing this to the people of Corn. There was somebody who had, who had done wrong, but there's repentance in their, in their ways, right? How did some of the people of Corn see his repentance? Didn't forgive. If he would just do three more things, then we bring him back. We'll, we'll forgive him and allow him to do that. 
Isn't that very comparable to what we see with this prodigal, with the non-prodigal son? He's not willing to forgive. There's been a wrong that's been done here, and true, he's repented, true, uh, he's come back and he's remorseful, but he squandered everything. He's got to pay for squandering everything, even though there's repentance, even though he's turned from all he was unwilling to forgive. Uh, and so as we think about this, sometimes we can be tempted to have that same mindset, can't we? If our feelings have been hurt, if we've been wrong, sometimes we set in the position of the non-prodigal and look down our spiritual noses. Uh, and so it is a temptation that we sometimes face, that we can face if we're not careful. Uh, because bitterness sneaks in and bitterness crawls in. And so that's where we see him. Now, as we think about this, I've asked this question already. How is the older brother a picture of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? As we think about the kingdom of God, how are they a picture of the older brother? How is the older brother a picture of the Sadducees and the Pharisees? Father, works versus grace. Okay, works versus grace. Okay. Okay, still have to do all the have tos. Okay, all right. Okay. Uh, the older brother's on the outside of the celebration looking in, isn't he? Where are the Pharisees and the Sadducees in regards to the kingdom of God? On the outside looking in. On the outside looking in. Is there a celebration going on inside? Sure. What did we see with the lost sheep? Celebration, right? All all of his neighbors celebrated the one. What about the lost coin? All all of the neighbors celebrated. Where the Pharisees and Sadducees going? They're on the outside looking in because they don't they they don't know they don't know there's no there's no recognition of their need for grace uh, and they've fallen short but that's where they are. All right, so as we look at this prodigal son and as we look at his non-prodigal brother, uh, what can we take home from this? I mean, what can what can we see from this? Okay. Okay. Uh, we we've got to be careful of not getting either brother's attitude, right? Okay. Because we can be called and led astray from the things of God, uh, can't we? Uh, I mean, kind of like the story of Michelle shared earlier. Uh, the things of the world can draw us away and say, "Yeah, that's what I want." Although right here is what God says is what we need. This is what we should be. Sometimes the things of this world can draw us away. So we have to be aware of that, and we also have to be aware of being the other brother as well, because, yeah, just as easy for us to fall into that, okay? Verse 31, he says, you are always with me, and all that mine is yours. The invitation is always open. Older son was there the entire time, just never took the invitation. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and so, it, well, what a great opportunity, but an ignored opportunity. Yeah. All right, what else do we see there? Thankful for God's grace because I don't deserve grace. Yeah. Right? I deserve all the punishment that you know, I don't I'm thankful that he's grace. Uh, I'm so grateful for God's grace. And I think this is a reminder of God's grace as we think about the father running to the son and having compassion for him. Uh, God's grace is there. And then we've seen that compassion in Jesus throughout this study, up there. So thanks a lot. And we even see grace because he does go out for more something. Okay, okay. yeah. Yeah, there would be a, I mean, grace is even exercised with the oldest son because the oldest son is not coming to the party, but dad goes out to see him. 
uh, would have been easy for the dad when the servants came in and said, he's not coming in. It would have been easy for the dad to say, oh, well, uh, that's good. But he goes down and, and do it. So we do see that, that grace and that compassion even exercised in that regard as well. God used that terrible thing of the son. I mean, he put the weight of rock bottom in his face. So, I mean, he took it to that in yeah. order for him to realize or else that would, you know, that's what trials do. Yeah. Look up. Exactly. That, that never took place. He could have been lost forever. So yeah. Never. Yeah. That's uh, unfortunate sometimes we do have to hit that rock bottom before we look up. We don't sometimes we keep that downward spiral until we hit the bottom. Okay. Okay. Uh, grateful that God's compassion and grace is there and there is that hope for that. We'll have a word of prayer, shall we?